I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today I am joined by Fox speech-language pathologist Steph DeMello and Fox physical therapist Nikki Dunleavy. Steph and Nikki, welcome. Thanks for having us. Thanks. This is a bringing back memories of the first ever Live Better Longer podcast, where I was joined by a physical therapist and a speech-language pathologist. And it's actually the basis for our podcast. I love when different disciplines collaborate. So right off the bat, applause to both of you. Now, apparently you have known each other for a spell. Is that correct? Yeah, we met in, I when I first started at Fox, which was September eight years ago. Was it, a, was it at a senior living community? Yeah, we were. So when I first started at Fox eight years ago, I was the only speech therapist in the Philly area. Whoa. So I, my territory was kind of center city to mainline to like Lafayette Hill, which is a little bit west. So I had a large territory. So one of my buildings I was in was Atria in Center City, which is where Nikki and I met. Do you remember the first time you met? I actually do. We were talking about but this But Nikki today, doesn't? <laughs> As I did. Yeah, she didn't. Oh, she did I was excited to have another girl probably in the building. Well, okay. So, yeah. you met, so Nikki, you don't remember the first time you met Steph, but do you remember an early encounter where you're like, oh, she's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. We take I, take, I take think, me through one. Give give me an example. I think we hit it off right away. It was for a while. I was I was just happy to have more help too because the building was so large, and having you know a PT and OT, and then finally a speech therapist that would be there consistently. Like Steph said, her being the first one in the area. We had so many referrals and, and people that needed SLP and, you know, we didn't have one consistently. So it, it was exciting to finally have somebody where we could really do this interdisciplinary approach and kind of put all the pieces together that PT and OT were already utilizing. But we had that missing component of having somebody to help with the SLP component. I believe we have a, another guest on the Live Better Longer podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Steph, Steph, who is that? That is Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. <laughs> he is, he is uh, here to say hi. <laughs> yeah, this is Andrew's first podcast. This is Andrew's first podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about collaboration and how it better serves your patient. So we've got two clinicians from two different disciplines, let's talk about how it works. So I love, and I said this on the very first episode of the Live Better Longer podcast, 
I love the idea of interdisciplinary therapy. So can you take me through some real life experiences, how you two have teamed up to better serve a patient? Sure. So I think kind of like we were talking about the initial starting when I started at Atria Center City and eight years ago, and Nikki said all those referrals, that was kind of where our collaboration began. Um, Nikki has always been a huge, a huge supporter of speech. So when we would, you know, if there was someone who maybe just presented with just a little bit difficulty carrying over strategies, she would always call me in and refer to me. So we built that relationship from the beginning, which it's for me is awesome to have a PT that that is like, oh, speech is needed for this, like, and knows why why to in why speech is indicated is fabulous. So that was that was huge with building the foundation of it. I would say say like a lot of our communication and collaboration have been more with finding the communication breakdowns in the patient and helping Nikki better understand how she can get them to do the strategies she wants to do and better recall for safety awareness and even just communicating with a patient who has aphasia and understanding what they're trying to communicate to her. So you can help with the communication. The patient communicates to Nikki and then Nikki can help the patient on another end. Yeah, and that's part of it. And also the memory recall. So so the cognitive component of it and having them recall their the safety awareness strategies that she's teaching them and then actually being able to recall and utilize it. See, it works. <laughs> it's it's magic. So Nikki, do you remember a time where you and Steph treated the same patient and you felt like progress was happening and maybe you high-fived each other like they do in buddy (laughs) movies. Yeah, I would say we've had quite a few of those moments where we can high-five. Part of the reason that I'm a big cheerleader for SLP is my sister is an SLP. So that's where I have the the good knowledge of the background and always am advocating for our patients and for speech language pathology if it's needed. So we have, we had one patient, the biggest issue partly was, and this happens with a lot of um, patients, is getting them to utilize their rolling walker and then also the hand placement when going to sit. So using, I guess, also like consulting staff of what is the best way to communicate do they respond better to a visual cue? Is it more of simple commands um, using simple wording? So somebody posting signs in the room is one that we'll do frequently or posting right onto the walker or utilizing tape on the walker for hand placement. So that's one that I can, that is pretty successful in a lot of our patients that do have that poor recall strategy of, of hand placement with, with using their walker when they're standing up and sitting down. So I'm sure you two roll in the clinical circles a lot more than I do. Although I have been mixing it up a lot over the last year, but why don't more clinicians tag team like this? I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, 
we are lucky that we're in a building and we see each other, you know, every I'm, I'm only in the build our current building Mondays and Wednesdays, but we see each other on those days and we can touch base, you know, multiple times throughout the day with about patients versus having to send an email, a call, a text or teams or something about a person like we are, it's in your face all the time. So I think, you know, being, having that being in the building, we're lucky for that, but that versus being, in the community where you have to make that effort to reach out on another form of communication. You're not seeing the other therapists. So you do you have to actively seek out the other clinician if you do want to collaborate? I You would say you don't have to. I think it's beneficial to um, because there may be things that you can describe better with hand motions and you know, I'm a very gestural person, person, so I use my hands to talk a lot. So being able to demonstrate and describe how I'm getting to carry over the, the technique, you know, face to face versus being typing it out. It's some it's usually easier. So how do you play off each other? Does one discipline come first? Sometimes, sometimes we all go in at once. So yeah, it's usually if we have a referral for all three disciplines, it's more specifically in a building, we'll let one discipline reach out initially to the family to get the consent so that they're not overloaded. And then, you know, if the family says, I want to speak to each discipline after the evaluation, then of course we'll follow up in that, that manner. But a lot of times and we find out what is the biggest deficit. Is it truly cognitive? Oh, you know what? It's really their ambulation. So then we'll kind of pick who calls and, and focuses first or goes to evaluate first and then can kind of give the, the picture of what's going on. So it, it goes all back to that communication aspect of just touching base, PTOT and speech of what what is best for that patient and what they need. Now, you're never in the same session together, right? No, not with the, not with the patient. I mean, occasionally, like, I may walk in when she's with, with someone and I would say, like, oh, you know, maybe try it this way. Mm -hmm. and But not, you know, we're not treating the same, same person. In the same Simultaneously. Session. So yeah. a clinician will treat a patient and then, you know, another discipline will treat that same patient when do you share notes or when do you discuss what the patient needs? So we kind of run on the hour, at least in, at our building, we run. So like we see each person at the top of the hour. So like those last few minutes at the end of the hour, we usually touch base and say, oh, you know, I just saw so-and-so and they benefited from, you know, verbal cues or something, something like that. Now, would you agree that interdisciplinary therapy is kind of going the extra mile. Not everyone does it, but by doing, like collaborating with another clinician, you are going above and beyond. You know, I. Now you're going to be modest. <laughs> now you're going to be modest. No, I feel like I feel like our practice is set up to do that, though. I think that we all mutually respect each other, PTOT and speech that we. That that's how the patient's going to have the biggest success is if you all do come together and communicate, even in in the home setting too, not just a building. In the building, you you have you know you're pretty much forced to do inter interdisciplinary work, but even in the community, I think it's 
you know, in order to reach the patient's goals, you have to work together. So if it's going above and beyond, then I guess so. But yeah, I think, I, I think, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's, but I think that's kind of part of what Fox has instilled in their clinicians too. Yes. Is, is that's what we do. It's an exchange of abundance. You're giving more than what's expected. It's like, oh yeah, like a, a physical therapist could treat a patient, but it's like, we're going to have a physical therapist treat. We're going to have a speech language pathologist look at the situation, maybe an occupational therapist look at the situation. We're going to help this patient as best as we can. Yeah, that's. I actually just had a conversation with a doctor about this the other day and, and going that extra mile for your patients and being kind of doctors, being the care coordinator and making sure they receive all the services that they need and just making sure that, you know, you're not just seeing what is the actual deficit and what can benefit to help fix that deficit? How much does collaboration help a patient? I know this is a, a big question, like a broad question, so you can attack it any way you want. I was thinking of a ex specific example of a patient that we had, like Nikki kind of started with the rolling walker and I was working on spaced retrieval with them. That's increasing their recall of certain material. So you present a question and you get your target answer. And so then you have the patient recall, you start at like five seconds and then you move, you keep moving up until they get to, you know, they can recall it over a day's period of time. So using that uh, spaced retrieval, using that to help a patient recall their strat, their maybe like Nikki was saying, hand placement or, or putting, you know, keeping the walker close to them would be how we would work together to get the interdisciplinary, like I would work on the memory component of recalling their strategy and Nikki would work on the functionality of it. And incorporating it by asking more of like an open-ended question, not just saying, put your hands here, saying, you know, where do you think you put your hands or, or changing how I would ask the question based upon what Steph said was successful for that patient when she was doing the spatial space retrieval. All right. Last question before we go to break. Let's say we get a, a clinician who just graduates from school and they start treating patients and they might feel like an island. How would they sync up with other clinicians to collaborate? I would say reaching if, you know, one, are they in the community or are they in the building and knowing who their counterparts are on that patient is the first way, you know, Who's, who's your PT counterpart? Who's your OT counterpart? Who can you go to for questions for PT? Who can you go to for questions for OT? That's the first, very first step. I would, you know, knowing who those, those people are. And then, you know, if you are in the community, reaching out at Teams. Te you know, the beauty of Teams is you can do a phone call. You can do a video call. So if it is something that you can't be in person, you can do a video conference and, ex you know, have that quick conversation that you need to have. Yeah, and Steph is talking about the Teams platform on Microsoft. So yeah. if you work with an organization like Fox Rehabilitation, you could reach out to anyone in the practice. So it's just okay. a matter of digging a little deeper and asking some questions. Yeah, yeah, which that it's made communication so much easier too, because before you would have to reach out for email or geez, we had like a phone contact list. We still probably have it. But when I started <laughs> 10 years ago, you know, you're scrolling through an Excel 
Excel sheet trying to I forgot about that. <laughs> somebody's <laughs> phone number to, you know, reach out to them. So, and with all our new grad program, everybody has a mentor, at least from the physical therapy side, yep. um, a mentor in that six month program. So having your mentor in place, we have, you know, the great RQALs that are also liaisons to reach out to. Um, so those would be your mentor, your RQAL and your regional director, and then using teams. I mean, every team has a PT, at least our team has a PT group. Now we have a great platform where you can ask clinical questions, which is helpful. So I think it's, we've got a ton of resources. And speech has created kind of more of a regional speech group just because there's so there's not as many of us. So we have, you know, we have the, our team speech group, but then we also have where, you know, I have people from all the other neighboring regions so we can collaborate with not just the speech, the SLPs on our team, but in other regions. And it's amazing the ideas that people come up with. That's great. You've created your own community. And Nikki, you've been with Fox for 11 years. Yeah, 11 years in October it will be. (laughs) So do you ever talk to a younger clinician and say, oh, well, when I started, I had to do this. You have it so easy now. You have it at your fingertips. Yeah, and I thought I would never be that. <laughs> but we have we have a newer grad that's the secondary PT in my building, and I just did it today. I was like, well, when I started. <laughs> no, but technology has come so far. Like 11 years ago, like you said, you might have been writing this stuff down shorthand. Oh, yeah, we were. And faxing and um, mailing it FedEx every single week. Faxing. Not right. Yeah, faxing, faxing right that. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that proves that proves that you're OG. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, like I usually do on the Live Better Longer podcast, I'm going to put Steph and Nikki on the spot. Don't go anywhere. I reminded you about this last week. I'm going to remind you again today because it's actually happening this week. The NABPT, that is the National Association of Black Physical Therapists, the NABPT is hosting their third annual conference. It's happening June 23rd through June 25th. The theme is Together Towards Tomorrow. If you would like to attend, It's as simple as purchasing a ticket. Non-members pay 60, members pay 45. You can register at nabpt.org. Like I told you last week, it's virtual, so you can be anywhere in the world and attend the NABPT annual conference. And you've been to conferences before. You know how to roll. You look at the list of events and presenters, And then you come up with your own checklist. Gonna go to that, might not do that, gonna do this, do this, and do that. So once again, to register for the NABPT annual conference happening June 23rd through June 25th, register at nabpt.org. So 
So we are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am joined by speech-language pathologist Steph DeMello and Fox physical therapist Nikki Dunleavy. Last question, and then your day is over. I'm just curious. You treat patients all day long, then you do a podcast, podcast's over. What will you do for the rest of the evening? This is a this is a weeknight. Well, I, we get real wild and we take all three dogs for a walk and then <laughs> sit down and watch TV after dinner. I, so that, you know. that sounds like a slice of heaven to me. <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you watching? What are you watching? We are right now binging uh, Mad Men because we didn't we never watched it when it came mm-hmm. out, so we're catching back. Thoughts? Up on it. Thoughts on Mad Men? Well, I haven't seen that one. Love it. Okay, I like. I was really into it for the first couple of seasons. And then I kind of got bored, but then I had to, I caught up and I watched the end of it, but I was, I was really into it. Like for the first three seasons. Uh, we're, we're on, we're almost finished. Oh, okay. Well, I, and, so we got, we but, got two more to go. That's fine. And I was also watching it in real time. So I couldn't binge it. I, mm. we were discussing this and I think <clears> when you, when you can binge stuff, you get, cause you don't forget what happens. Yeah. It makes it like that much more. I agree. I think it would have been a different experience if I could binge Mad Men. All right, Nikki, what will you be doing? Not necessarily tonight, but like on an (laughs) average night after you're done working, what does Nikki Dunleavy do? She takes care of her three kids, you know, plays the mom role, dinner, bedtime or hanging out, bedtime. Can I ask the ages? Sure. Um, Five and a half, four, and ten months. Whoa! All right. Eleven years with Fox, those ages, three kids. We're going to knight you or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why it's awesome to have such a great coworker too, that, you know, is also a mom and helps. Respect. Yeah, you're dealing like, I can speak from experience. Those age, those ages, woo! There's some, in the thick there's of some it. intense. You're, you're in, in the thick of it. There's some intensity there. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna let you go now. Thank you for the time. Um, the message today: teamwork makes the dream work. So for <laughs> Steph DeMello and Nikki Dunleavy, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. 